0: All right, welcome today to our um, second part discussion on deep learning. Today, we're gonna dive into really um, NLP, which we brushed upon the last time we met. And we're gonna dive a little bit into the AI of NLP. Um, joining me, um, of, of course, our, our repeat me is um, Chandra Dryamagudar, our VP, VP of Hartford Innovation Center. Gita Nambiar, our Senior Manager of Delivery. Um, thanks for joining me, guys.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's just, um, yeah, let's just jump right in. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch this one to you, Chandra. So what exactly is NLP? Um, and really, I guess, what's its role? I know we touched upon this the last time we met, so give me a a better explanation.
2: Right, I think we talked a little bit in the healthcare context and today I will define a little bit broadly. Um, so basically the natural language processing in short NLP, uh is a sort of field of artificial intelligence um in which um, the computers can analyze understand and derive mm-hmm. the meaning from human language um in much more um you know smart and useful way of thing um and and you know we, we don't realize we are using certain nlp technologies on our day to day but you know the, the, the language um, that as we uh, make huge leap into different languages, um, mm-hmm. the developers can organize and, and structure knowledge to perform such tasks, right? So, you know, for example, um, as we speak a language, um, there is certain summarization happens, translation, there's entity recognition, um, relationship extraction within the language uh, sentences. So basically, you know, the, the, we, we teach computers to to do that uh, in, in, in a much more efficient way as a human do.
0: Do you, when you say meaning, are, are you talking about like understanding like tone of voice or a certain, like can you elaborate on that a little bit for yeah, me?
2: Absolutely, so for example, let's take an example of the sentiment analysis, right? Okay. So is one of the practical application of the NLP um, and and I'll I'll, I'll provide more uh, practical examples. And I think we touched upon in one of the hospital setting when when the providers uh, physicians in the hospital setting when they perform certain surgeries or, or perform certain uh, services uh, with the member the patient um, they always dictate certain um, uh, notes, right? Mm-hmm. And we I think we took that as an example. The, in the similar fashion here, in the sentiment analysis as an application um, to this NLP, that you know you teach a computer to to identify certain uh, entities, certain patterns, um, so that efficiently, whether it's the written language or the spoken language, that you can identify those patterns in that show.
0: Okay, and a pattern might be like, sorry, to what, what kind of a pattern would that be?
2: Um, it could be a uh, summarizing the block of text, right? Uh, it could be, uh, creating certain words, um, mm. you know, example of the auto tagging, uh, you probably, if you have used Google or if you use certain application where the chatbot shows up, um, and, mm. and, and as well, you know, the sentiment analy- analysis that we talk, it's basically identifies certain sentiment of a string of a text, uh, whether it's a negative, to neutral, to positive, right? So depending on how we speak, you know, certain algorithm identify that, uh, whether the sentence is negative, whether it's neutral, whether it's a positive, that's what it does sentiment analysis. And okay. is it
0: picking up on the tone of your voice and the language, the type of language you're using? Is it kind of making inferences from both of those?
2: Yes, yes.
0: Okay, what other kind of, we besides the medical, what other kind of practical examples are we using today?
2: um example there are many applications um uh you know there is a uh, uh, uh natural language generation technologies for example yeah. speech processing if you if if you use amazon echo or, or google mm-hmm. right um or uh, alexa there's a speech processing is one of the application um, there is a topic segmentations information retrieval or you know for example google search um if you have used google the uh, the language translation whether to english to spanish spanish to english and so on and so mm-hmm. forth another great uh, example um as well the mining the data in the biomedical field um a lot of the biomedical researcher uh, can glean insight uh, from massive databases right you know mm-hmm. if you're doing some research you know um the text mining is another example where NLP can be very very useful. I'm sure Gita have many many more examples. She's <laughs> on the ground uh, and and provide um, a practical application of some of the stuff she's working with.
0: Gita, where did it, when did this all start? Where did when did we start really getting into um, NLP and voice
1: recognition and those types of technologies? If you look at the history of NLP, it was it was around the initial phases were around in the early nineteen hundreds. And somewhere to the mid fifties, uh, 1950s, um, researchers were able to come up with a, a grammar structure called as phase structure grammar, which helped to convert regular text into a language that was consumable by the machine. Um, but it was not true natural language processing in that sense, because there was a conversion of this text to another language that was being consumed by these machines and towards, uh, as the research progressed, they still noticed that using these translation techniques, uh, um, machine translations were still expensive in comparison to uh, translations carried out by humans. Mm. So the okay. initial phase of feeding text to the computers was still very expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point in time, um, if you see the U.S. Uh, um uh, research council for natural language uh, they stopped the funding because they wanted to take a pause here because the computational power wasn't sufficient um so the the text translations were getting too expensive and taking more time so about late 80s i guess and if any of us are the 80s kids here <laughs> you would have uh, uh, it was a time when computational power was increasing, and with mm-hmm. was a significant change in the in the way we were processing data, in in terms of improvement in the processors we had. The so, speed. You mean the the speed of the hardware? Yes, yes, okay. of the hardware itself, and yeah. and also uh, new languages that were uh, you know coming, programming languages that were coming into effect that would help us harness the computational power. Mm, so when okay. you look at that towards the the late 80s is when there was a the, the blend between two different sciences, which is linguistics and statistics came into play, and real statistical models were being developed um, to process this, this text. A lot of it was business rule driven initially, where I give defined rules, and you would get uh, you know a defined output. So it was not really truly automatic in that sense where I fed anything and the output was accurate. Okay. So rule-based engines they they do certify that whatever you give based on the rule will definitely process and you will have an output if if sufficiently mm-hmm. tested and uh, and fixed. But with statistics, it helped us to also get the the dimension of um, probabilistic outputs. So if if X, Y, and Z were true, you would make an assumption that something else is going to happen. Right. So, okay, let me put this differently. Um, if you if you had a statistical model and it could it had probability built into it, it's going to research the historical data, look at the patterns, and then give you an output.
0: Is that kind Which of like would... um uh, what was the game show IBM developed Watson, where they they in Jeopardy, mm-hmm. Jeopardy use it to answer questions, where it said. It crawled the data and said, "We think probably within a certain probability, this is the answer you're looking for."
1: Yes, that's that's that is a very complex application of NLP, as well as machine learning and deep neural networks in play okay. to get to get you to that. So, when we are talking about the late 80s, we are still not talking about Watson level uh, kind we're of. We're talking
0: our, ba- we're talking baby Watson. Yes,
1: My, we are talking yeah. we are talking about a real junior Watson here. Okay. <laughs> I will even put Watson and, and this in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, so it evolved from there to what we have today. Um, you know, in terms of neural um, neural net models and, and different recurrent neural nets and uh, convolutional neural nets, which now help us to dig deeper into the text than just doing basic extraction and and getting deep into context. So there were three phases uh, for for natural language as such. We started with uh, natural language generation, which was pretty much writing text by doing an analysis on structured data. It would give you a summarized uh, piece of text, for example, a recommendation or so, right? So that that was uh, natural language generation. But when you look at natural language understanding, it's one step ahead of natural language processing. In processing, we are attempting to read the text, identify the relationships and patterns between words within a sentence, phrases, Mm. Uh, but what natural language understanding truly does is identify the context in which that whole sentence is being spoken or being written. And when you say being written, is it actually type
0: written, or is it gonna? Is it able to read a picture of something that's written?
1: Um, so speech, for example, speech. So while we are talking, um, if if I asked the system about, I mean, for you can take an example of rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. How is the system supposed to understand that a question that I just asked right now is rhetorical in nature? It mm-hmm. has to understand, assimilate the context. Mm-hmm. So, so the speech is then getting converted to text that's processing in itself. And the text is now going through a natural language processing for it to be broken down into its constituent parts and being analyzed in a pattern format based on my tone and the content of the sentence. It is going to understand if this were spoken in a certain manner, this is the context in which she, she's. You know, making the statement, and therefore I'm not required to respond back because it's rhetorical in nature.
0: Okay, we yeah, we talked about that on our on our last um, the yeah. Al- Alan Turing, right? Yeah. Um, so what are that's a good dovetail? What are some of the other challenges with NLP right now?
1: So um, if you look at NLP, it's, it's breaking down uh, any language. Um, let's let's not go into the semantics or syntax of a specific language. So it's it's irrespective of which language it is just breaking it down into shorter um basic parts and it is attempting to understand the relationship of these parts right mm-hmm. so within that uh when we try to process text um we are trying attempting to categorize some parts of the text we are trying to understand what is uh what is being spoken within um, you know these set of sentences. So while we're trying to do that, um, the real challenge we face is if I could take a a data set of like 100,000 records and identify what exactly is being done in that records, I will come up with a pattern and I'll have a statistical model to emulate what's happening within you know that that set of data but as i keep feeding data is when the machine starts to learn so today one of the challenges we have is we might get a certain you know uh, sets of logic right but while we test it the accuracy is very low and and we are not able to improve the system further because we are not able to feed sufficient data for it to learn enough to improve its own accuracy So the lack of data um, and data that is annotated, and by which I mean that it's classified, um, Mm. by which we take structured data, and we're able to pre-process it and classify it into certain categories for further processing.
0: How are we gathering that data? Is that
1: something that Google is gathering? So again, if we look at the use cases in the industry, the ones, uh, for example, Galaxy gets, we are working in the area of disease, disease prediction. Mm-hmm. So that data set is given to us by the, the client um, who, who gives us the basic data set to work on. But then they have to give us data on an ongoing basis in order to ensure we arrive at a model that is success, successful enough to predict with okay. a certain level of accuracy. Mm-hmm. So most AI ML projects come to a standstill because of lack of data. We would have got the first, you know, um, piece of work done correctly, but we are not in a position to test it or improve it further, and mm. so projects come to a standstill. And the second is is the the computational power involved. Is um, if something is uh, computed, you know, computationally intensive. And you don't have the sufficient um, you're not able to afford the the hardware um, and the uh, the engineers involved in you know actually carrying out these tasks. Mm-hmm. The cost is a big factor. Cost and computational power is the big factor.
0: okay, so we're still we're still struggling with computation we've gone a quite a ways, but we're still struggling with getting the correct computational power.
1: interesting. Yes. I mean for something like Watson. Uh, I don't think uh, that level of uh, infrastructure is affordable <laughs> by everyone right, and, right. and and for the smaller applications, computational power is is important based on that specific use case so it it differs um, mm-hmm. not all applications are expensive in that sense where are we go where and
0: and I'll throw this to to chandra where are we going now that we kind of understand where we've been and what we're struggling with? Where are we going to go with this and um moving forward? And and really, I think in specific industries, where are we going with this? Chandra?
2: So I will, I, so I will take the healthcare and, and Geeta is much closer to the pharma. Uh, She can jump in uh, once I'm done. Um, So just talking about the healthcare, just to continue the conversation from our, our part one of deep learning today, the NLP is already playing a big role. Um, we have multiple ehr systems um, a lot of the hospitals today struggle to to integrate some of these ehr um, the electronic health records um, and there are issues uh, and i think the the clinical documentation side of the nlp will have a big big impact in coming days um, and i think the speech recognition part of that will go hand in hand with our clinical documentation and and for the clinician do the clinician job their job is to kind of provide services to the patient let the technology such as NLP do their job you know document the these clinical notes into the EHR much more efficiently not only document and store it in such a way that there are studies now if we do this the right way the EHRs can be potentially leveraged um, they have a lot of data collected Mm. Over time, I think we talked about this in part one. As Gita mentioned in earlier conversation, that the amount of unstructured data available for us today um, in the healthcare ecosystem, both on the payer side, on the hospital side, uh, as well the the computational power, the cost of doing the computation uh, of these data, has significantly helped to bring the NLP to much more much more efficiently into this field. And I think it's very achievable. Uh, and I think, and we will see that in the next couple of years, this being implemented across in many, many EHRs and hospitals, as well as in the fair side. Is it
0: but, is it critical, not to not to stop your flow, but is NLP really critical? I mean, do you think it's blocking some of our way forward? To me, when we talk about this, I'm just like, Ugh do we really need to tell the TV to look up my favorite Netflix show? Like how critical is it going to be in the next years to, you know, 10, 15 years?
2: Well, I mean, you know, the application, right, it's the ease of, you know, the access. Um, Mm. But if you go back to the example I gave you today, there's so many programs. For example, let me take a patient care medical home. There are tons and tons of documentation that our provider, for example, our doctors, for example, if you go to your PCP and, and PCPs are today are forced to document some of this information onto computer, mm-hmm. whether typing it in a word or a notepad and so on and so forth, you want, when they do it, they may not even do it efficiently. There's a room for error, right? Because they are the, you know, some of the physician job is to do the clinical analysis, uh, but we are forcing them to do a lot of documentation.
0: Mm-hmm
2: where NLP come in play that it can do a better job a much more efficient job document all of these clinical notes not only that it can store those information in a much more efficient way so that can be leveraged down the line for certain uh, quality of the care right Mm. today a lot of this information is documented but it gets lost never really used so NLP I think will bring some of those nuances within this documentation back to the play, where the quality of care, I think, over time will go up because the more information can be retrieved back and analyzed for, you know, as we talk in you know, a part one for machine learning and AI, right? So those mm-hmm. algorithms can use the data from the NLP to leverage to provide a better quality of care.
0: So seemingly something innocent or a nice to have is actually can be quite critical to, to, the, to the patient's health. What about in pharma, Gita? What are, what are, some, what are we going with that in, in NLP
1: in the pharma industry? There are um, other applications for supporting processes. For example, document reviews um, that we're carrying out you know, in an automated fashion based on standards. So documentation that has to be submitted to the FDA can be reviewed using uh, the automated review mechanisms where it is able mm. to understand context and suggest okay. changes as well as produce language summaries um, from uh, documents with, without us actually going through any of those. So we know if there are deficiencies in the documentation and these fixes can be done in advance. Mm-hmm.
0: What about, I know we have a little note here about entertainment and media. Is Are we doing, I mean, I don't know if Galaxy is currently doing any in entertainment media, but what are, what are some use cases for NLP in those areas? i don't know either
2: of you can answer that one um yeah so you know we are actually working with some of the not necessarily the entertainment and media but we are working very closely with some of the non-profit organizations mm-hmm. um to build a chatbot. um galaxy actually recently engaged to build a chatbot uh for educational uh, a educational foundation institute mm,
1: okay. uh,
2: to provide a sort of you know fun Proactive fun way to teach the kids from uh, from kindergarten to like I think 12th 12th grade, I believe, uh, where we are building the the, uh, for example, American literature as an example, right. How do we teach kids the American literature in in fun and more interactive way much more than just a static and providing the textbooks and the presentation it will be more interactive and fun way to do it. So those are some of the, the uh, ideas and, and projects that Galaxy is working on, um, uh, in, mm-hmm. especially in the in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, non-healthcare pharma space.
0: Well, we talked about um, one of the technical roadblocks being um, computing power. What are some other roadblocks that what are that we have to overcome, uh, Gita, to, to kind of move NLP forward?
1: Um, Some of the roadblocks that we have today are with the text processing techniques. Mm. Um, Things like, if if you look at sentiment analysis, it it is supposed to detect uh, positive and negative sentiments. And sometimes there's a gray area where there is neutral sentiment. And it may detect false positives and false negatives, Mm -hmm. which is still an issue that uh, we're still struggling with. It's it's one of the areas uh, within the um the text processing arena that we we it's still an open uh,
0: problem is there, a, is there a long way to go when we talk about mlp nlp is it a long way to go guys i mean are we we're still just this is such a an early nascent type technology or are we i say that but then you said it's it's been around since the 1900s you know where are we at in its trajectory i guess
1: so uh, if if we look at the trajectory we are in an advanced state oh okay we are in an advanced state but uh, we are still in the pattern matching mode and we are still yet to uncover what true natural language understanding is hmm. so our systems ability have i mean systems have the ability to do pattern matching in and and it can predict with an accuracy of more than 80 percent or so in in different use cases but uh it's still very human-like and we still have that one step to go ahead uh to uh, to go in in the direction of in the advancement of understanding itself well, that's kind of that's
0: kind of a cool concept to think about that there's something out there that really still needs to be discovered and still needs to be figured out i'm sure i'm sure we'll figure it out
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, do we have any? I know we we had a note here to talk about some business cases solved or unsolved. What well, are some truly interesting business cases that are left unsolved that we're you know still trying to move forward?
2: Yeah. So if I can add one um, one other, uh, you know, it goes to the you know the constraints and the some of the use cases still out there. To add to what Geetha said, and I think it's the, the we have made a big leap. I think in NLP and knowingly unknowingly today we are using certain tools whether mm-hmm. it's the google search from to the the language language uh, t- uh, translation to some of the speech recognition in our uh, home devices whether it's the alexa or, or uh, google wise right so we are using certain technologies today but i think the the challenges of the adoption for the natural language is going to be the it's the cost right it's the cost of of doing this versus collecting the data set, if if the if the data set is not accurate, uh, and I think it, it, the adoption of the people will slow down, and and the cost of identifying and managing and preparing this hmm. data set to feed back into the the system where the the this information can be much more accurate to feed it back to the to the to the consumer or the user, uh, but but I think you know the progress we have made so far is significant. I think there's a bright future where we're we going. A lot of the use cases will be solved using this. But there may be some use mm-hmm. cases may or may not be cost-efficient uh, or cost-effective to solve those business cases. Um, I think that's that intersection will be very interesting, which will get solved and which, which we will not be solved using NLP.
0: As as a, a subset of of deep learning or a tool of deep learning, is this prob- is this a key part of moving deep learning forward? You know, c- kind of circling back to our main topic.
2: Mm-hmm. I think so, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. Gita can add to it, but I think as we dive deep into the the machine learning um, in the the AI space, including LLP there'll be some constraints. Um, that is the, you know, the the cost versus innovation, um, how efficient can be if we invest certain uh, software technologies. Um, and I think that's cost benefit analysis. will continue to drive all of these use cases, right? And, you know, at some point we compromise and, and continue to do what we do the way we do. But some business cases You know, the cost benefit benefit analysis will tell us that there's a better way, there's more innovative way to do this than what we do today. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, and that's kind of that's probably where we got where we are today. I mean, at the end of the day, that's where automation came in and there's a better way than having people redundantly do these activities and it, it really pushed, it really pushed the, uh, the fourth industrial revolution forward. Absolutely.
2: Like like Um, example, right? I I would like to give one example on that, Tracy, what he just said. Today, you know, probably you guys know this prior auth, right? When you go to a surgery that you have to get a a note or Mm -hmm. approval from your provider, insurance company. Today, 90% Mm -hmm. of the prior auth is is manual. Literally, the providers or hospitals or doctors, they call the provider, the payer, insurance company, hey, Mm -hmm. can we have this, right? so simple if the NLP can be implemented in this space to recognize certain contracts, uh, recognize certain uh, language that is written for the prior for those products and the benefit right we, within those mm-hmm. customer policy it could it could it could be one of the immediate I know there are a lot of progress being made in this space that is an example right? Where NLP can truly solve, save lives, right? Sometimes we lose mm-hmm. life because we're waiting for the prior art. But uh, truly, NLP can, you know, the the help saving lives if some of these can be implemented in, very quickly in this space. Um, you yeah. know.
0: And it's it's, it's honestly, it's one of, in talking to you guys, it it sounds like, you know, like I said, jokingly, how much do we really need, you know, NLP and to be able to, but it sounds like it really is going to be the next frontier to moving some of our deep learning and AI and, and probably provide a lot more benefits than we even realize as as humans it can provide a lot more benefits than uh, we even know at this time. Um, well, with that, I know we're reaching upon the the forty minute mark. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and close the call unless either of you have any other any other questions or, or um, topics you'd like to broach.
2: No, it's a great conversation. Thank you, uh, Tracy and great. Gita for, for your time. Thanks, Gita.
0: Thanks, Chandra. I appreciate your time.